We're talking about this morning, those that would die the death of the righteous. Those that would die the death of the righteous. And in Numbers 23 and 10, we hear from a man, Balaam. Balaam is mentioned a great number of times throughout the Old and Testament, New Testament. Balaam is kind of an enigma to some people because here's a prophet, a man of God, that God did speak to Balaam. God spoke to Balaam, but he was like a lot of them in the church today and cares that spirit forth today of a false prophet. Someone wasn't that wasn't willing to do what it would take to die the death of the righteous. Like I said, in contemplating a living life, we have to also contemplate death a day of one's demise because it really matters. For In conclusion, I'll try to sum this up because it's, you can't possibly die the death of the righteous if you don't live the life of a righteous person. You know, that's one thing we don't do, you know, think about that Balaam wanted to live for the world and the things of the world. He was given the greed and he lived for the world and the things of the world. But yet and still, as many people try to, as they get older, or as life come toward the end of them, on their deathbed or in a time of darkness or whatever and reach out for the Lord as the thief on the cross, and in that last moment, they want to die in the Lord, die a righteous death in the Lord. Not that they understand that in, there's a life after this life. So would everybody kind of want to have hope in, a, in the next life. And he talks about that in the book of Ecclesiastes. But in this life, we have to be mindful of these things. That's why Jesus came and he put us in mind of all of these things. This morning we're going to talk about it out of the book of the Old Testament, the 57th chapter, Isaiah's first and second verse says, The righteous perish it, and no man live to heart, and merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. He shall enter into peace, they shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. Listen to that, each one walking in his uprightness, because we in the book of Revelations, toward the end of that book, it says, he that is righteous, let him remain righteous. He that is unrighteous, let him remain unrighteous. There's no changing after death. That character is fixed and fitted in. Who you are in that regeneration has taken place. But we here see Balaam. This is the very guy, the very guy that God allowed to go after gain, after a greed of gain toward Balak. He couldn't curse God's people, but yet and still, he told the wicked a way to cast a stumbling block before God's people. He told Balak and prophesied and spoke to him and told him, well, the way to get this is to cause them to curse themselves, cause them to disobey God if they would commit a, commit fornication with the Moabites. And there were some good-looking Moabite women, must have been or whatever, because it was 23,000. It was thousands died during that plague because of fornication with the Moabites. And that's what we do with the world today. The rest of this chapter it centers around idolatry. It talks, it says, But draw near hither, you sons of the sorcerers, the seed of the adulterers and the whore. So we know whoreism or whore, being whoremongers is in the God's people. It's inherit in idolatry, worshiping, and all of these things that inherit in them. And some have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And here, Balaam. Hears from God, but yet and still he's gone after greed and gain. And that, that's the way the church is today. Are plenty of people in the church and in the world today. 
they know of God in their conscience and it has God in their awareness, but not enough to do what it takes to be with God throughout eternity, to be with God in a time to come to form who he is because what that requires is a death. It requires a death that he died and he had already done done it first, but now we have to walk therein. That's why I said that last portion of that second verse is, they shall lie in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. But it's uprightness that they had not had attained to, but that was imputed unto them, and as they walked in it, it completed them. We need to be complete in Christ. He gives us his spirit. A spirit that regenerates us, a spirit that dries us and gives us a zeal. And as the Apostle Paul, we can say toward the end of our life, I finished my course. I fought a good fight. Now, a lot of us are not fighting the good fight of faith. We're not fighting against the passions of the body and we're not bringing our members into subjection under the word of God. We have to buffet our bodies. We have to mortify this old body to where we wouldn't obey it in the lust thereof, not allowing sin to reign in our mortal bodies. Amen. Now, as I was telling you about Balaam here, now, Balaam, if you want to read about him, he's in Second Peter. Peter talks about Balaam. Hmm. And then Balaam, some kind of way or another, ends up, in the book of Revelation, those that follow after the doctrine of Balaam. Remember I told you the way of Balaam, the error of Balaam, and the doctrine of Balaam. You see, we have to see that in making us in his image, in his likeness, it says, let us make man in our image and our likeness. That's a process. That's a process and it's a contemplative process. That, that's going to be my first point, contemplation. It says to view or consider with continued attention or to meditate thereon. And we know we have to meditate on God's word. We have to meditate on that word day and night, Amen. in season and out of season. How many of us meditating on God's word now? Because we've been, we've been talking here. That that spirit of slumber that has poured that God has poured out over the world, we have to overcome that spirit. Oh yes, the spirit to have you coming right in here this morning. That spirit to have you on your job. That spirit to have you daydreaming and inattentive to what's going on around you, to where you're not aware. And you remember we were talking about awareness. I don't have that much. In the beginning, in, in the notes here, just maybe four pages, three pages. But then online, when you go in, you have a combination of just about all of the notes that I had this week in studying. Well, not all of them, but a great deal of them. But it's some 20-some pages if you need something to study. Because in this end time, those will be the one that says... They wax strong and increase in knowledge and understanding of God, fighting this fight because, as we just read, there'll be many asleep and the righteous taken away. Yes. You know, I was telling you about two of my brothers and Sister Harris and Brother Luther, Brother Dent. We have, in this past four years, five years, we've lost a great number of people. Outside of the church, how many is going? During the plague, how many was lost? It says the righteous are taken away. A time when God says in the book of Daniel, if we go to the book of Daniel, and what we're looking at is God causing this removal, God allowing this removal, and we see that. It was an article in the running on the news thread this morning on the Internet about the governor we had elected and what's going on in the South and the president, one of the vice 
one of the presidential candidates or whatever. And we see with the death of the righteous and the removal of, like, we see what's coming on in the world, those that God are opening up their eyes and that his prophets and preachers, the preachers and teaching are preaching to the people. But Balaam and the false prophets that we've been talking about are not warning the people. They're not barking. So the church is being lulled to sleep. So you have to strengthen yourself because Mm -hmm. we will lose a many more in the upcoming years. And it's going to be those close to us. So we have to strengthen ourselves to we have to we have to be able to go on. We have to be able to go on and watch stronger with greater exploits. The book of Daniel, the eighth chapter, tells about some of these things. And and that's one of the ones I brought in in paper. I printed a good bit here. But Daniel, the eighth chapter, tells us, it says, And it came to pass when I even Daniel had seen the vision and sought the meaning. Then behold, there stood before me the appearance of a man, and it had the voice, a man's voice between the banks of the river Eula, which called and said, Gabriel, and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he came near to where I stood, and he was telling Daniel of some of the things that he going to happen in the last days. And that's what I was telling you last week, that we have to pray to God and study to God so hard that we start getting this vision of that God comes to us and we have to ask him for knowledge and understanding or we'll be led astray with the rest of the world. Yes. In other words, it's not just coming in here because you can't get it one hour a week in chapel service. You can't get it two or three hours a week just studying Bible study. You have to divorce yourself from the things of the world and be able to fight against those that are within your own household because that's going to be the drag. That's what's going to be pulling on you. Not necessarily that they're doing it, being aware of it, but Satan has control of them. See, Satan has us all bound. We're trying to get a loose, and we have to acknowledge to God. I was listening to prayer that was praying today, but not just in the light, but in darkness, we have to hold on to God's hand. That's really when we have to hold on to his hand, because in light, he has us in light. He is light. If we're walking in light, we're walking in his uprightness then. But in darkness is the problem, and darkness is coming over the world. So contemplation, and that's what I was telling you, the synonyms for contemplation, and I was trying to get all these to you or whatever. It says to consider, to study, to weigh. It means to think about it in order to arrive at a judgment or a decision. Consider may suggest giving thought to it in order to reach a suitable conclusion or opinion or decision. Study implies sustained, purposeful concentration and attention to details and minutia. In other words, the smallest thing, because I told you details matter. You're not going to rely on somebody that's slumbering and sleeping all the time because they don't know what's going on. That would be the blind leading the blind. You have to say, okay, I, I thank you for your input or whatever, or what you got to say, but no thank you. In other words, you might keep that no thank you to yourself because you have to say, this person is not aware. There are some preachers and teachers that you have to leave behind, brothers and sisters and spouses and whatever. Because you're running a race and each person with fear and trembling have to work out their own salvation. Some may not cross that finish line and you can't pull anybody across the finish line. Each man has to have his own faith. He has to have his own faith. That's the problem with the people that's backing this worldwide thing and with Israel and the division that's coming. This is cataclysmic what we own. We're on a precipice here because we, how many of you looking at it and say, well, this is murdering and slaughtering. We have senators and things coming up and saying what we should do or whatever. Oh, the ignorance of this world. 
the ignorance of the people who have become insensitive, irreligious, they're like Israel was. And that, that's the problem with Israel. And God cuts them off. He cut off the natural branches and grafted the Gentiles in starting the, because they rejected God. You know, they rejected him and said, Caesar, we have no king but Caesar. Mm. Now, that was a remnant that he was going to receive, just like among the Gentiles. Mm. It's only a remnant that he's taken. Yes. You see, in Israel, is just like Balaam. It's just like the church today. It's just like the nation today. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. The book of Romans says, 10th chapter 3rd through the 21st verse, talking about Israel, he, he says, for not knowing about God's righteousness, which is based on faith. In other words, that rejection of God is paramount, but the, the very wrong thing about it is Jesus. The rejection of Jesus Christ, because he's the object of the faith. He's the one that brings that light. Without receiving Jesus, he says, I am the way, I am the truth. So the faith was the faith of Christ, the faith in Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. He is that light. Yes, Lord. And Jesus said, are you the son of God? And who are you? You know, Pilate realized something here. He Pilate, a Roman governor, and he realized that he didn't find fault with Jesus he was trying to let Jesus off the hook, but it wasn't going to be so according to God's word. Yes. You know, sometimes we on a hook and we can't get off that hook because God's word has us there. Mm. You know, Caiaphas, the high priest, spoke something about one man dying for the sins of the world so they won't take the nation away. But God had put those words in his mouth. You have to speak what God puts in your mouth. And Balaam knew that. Balaam became a Balak and he says, look, I can only speak that which God gives me to speak. Each time he went to curse the children of Israel, God put a word of blessing in his mouth. Yes, Lord. yes. So that, that's why he wanted to die the death of the righteous because if God's holding your hand, who can curse you? No man can do anything to God's people. Whom God has blessed, he has blessed. Who he's cursed, he has cursed. Now, if Balaam realized this, and a lot of us don't realize this, listen to what Balaam said. The rest of that, to put it in context about the death of the righteous, he says, from the eastern mountains, come, he told me, curse Jacob for me. Let your anger rise on Israel. But how can I curse what God has not cursed? How can I denounce a people God has not denounced? I see them from the clifftops. I watch them from the hills. They live alone. That's, that's paramount. That they live alone. Yes. You see, we try to live with the world and we love the world. And God in this latter day is trying to call us out of the world. He says, come out of the world. Come out of Babylon. I was driving along the other day, and me and my brother, and he was talking about the Tower of Babel or Babel or whatever, and I'm listening to see how great he understands that or whatever. See, Babel is the world. And that Tower of Babylon that we're not understanding one another is because God had scattered the nations in Babel, and that you can understand one another. That's what it signifies. That name Babel is, is a, you know, it's like baby talking or whatever. One saying this and one saying that. So the world is not understanding each other. There's no unity. There's no unison in it. The only unity is in the world is in Christ Jesus. And you have to come out of the world unless you're in him. So that's why we have to meditate on the things of God. Our contemplation has to be different. Yes. You see, that's what was wrong with Balaam. His thinking was perverted. And that's what God tells all of us. My, our thoughts are not like his thoughts. Our ways are not like his ways. 
to achieve the objective. They said that the way they could get to Hamas is to bomb everything in sight. Throw the baby out with the bathwater. Bomb hospitals. This morning we had that they bombed the ambulance that had 16 or 17 people there in that area or whatever. But thousands of Palestinians are being bombed to try to root out Hamas. You're looking for ants in a mountain complex. If you've seen Palestine with the tunnels and all, all of these things. But what about the innocent? What about the righteous? Didn't Abraham tell us about this? He, when he was praying about, the, he said, far be it from you to destroy the righteous with the wicked. How about if it's 50 righteous there? God said, no, I won't destroy for 50 righteous, say. And he thought about it, but God still didn't relent. And he said, well, how about 35? And he kept going down with him. And that's where a vogue expression may have came from because he kept bargaining and lowering it and lowering the count, lowering the number. He said, how about 20 righteous? He said, if there be 20 righteous, I won't destroy it. He kept going lower and lower. I think he stopped at a certain number there. But it shows you the prevalence of sin. Mm. That little leaven that leavens the whole lump. Satan, Babylon, ba- Balaam is in the church. The doctrine of Balaam is prevalent in the church. That's that leaven. And he told us to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. <coughs> the doctrine of the Pharisees where it contains leaven. And my wife, well, let me finish that. My mind starts to wonder as we get older. And that's why I say, I, I, I pray to God to help keep my mind sound and to be able to keep my thinking straight, to keep my train of thought straight to where I can preach the gospel or bring out what I should bring out. So let, let me try to stay on course here. And what I'm saying about this issue, because I, I, I see it, and we have to start realizing when our cognizant of our ability to act as we used to, uh, just thinking about our president, and he's in about, you know, close to 80, if he's not 80 or whatever, and I was thinking they were saying about being too old to be president or whatever, but you have to be able to think and, and finishing here what I was on this scripture I was on Romans it says which is based on faith he says and seeking to establish their own righteousness based on works that not submit to God's righteousness in other words to show or to exonerate themselves Netanyahu was asleep at the wheel mm-hmm. they're wondering how did Hamas get in to attack Israel with such a severe attack. This is the worst attack in 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Um, but to show the people and to try to save face, he's exterminating a whole people group. Mm. That's what we was failing when we were when Israel was being destroyed, their brother Esau, Edom, laughed and didn't lend a hand to help or whatever. And that's the way we are today. It's our money, our tax dollars that Mike Johnson and the rest of the people are trying to send billions of dollars and it's going to cost us for generations to come hundreds of billions of dollars to send $15 billion to them to exterminate a people. And we're not realizing the power and the things that happen in this. And when... 9-11 9-11 and all of these things occur, you ask, well, why would they attack us or whatever? It's the seeds that you're planting. Yeah. You end up reaping that which you have sown. I mean, you end up reaping that which, and we've sown these things, and a lot of the MAGA movement, it's, it's mad about us intervening in that and sending Israel money, and they're right about that, that we shouldn't go around fighting wars all over the world intervening where we shouldn't intervene. Yes, 
and being parts of those things. Uh, I was about to say about my friend from Monroe, he had called the other day and he was talking and he was saying that one of my friends that's in Ruston, he's preaching now in Ruston. And he says, you I preach it in Baton Rouge or whatever. He says, he stopped going to church or whatever. And I say, that's not too good or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm reading in the news and we're seeing that Christianity is falling in the United States. There are less people in organized religion than ever before. There are more non-denominational church, but Christianity as a whole, some of the other religions are coming up. Hmm. See, because of the propaganda in the news, we don't see it in what Russell Moore was saying about, and he's the editor of Christianity today, and a lot of his writings don't get produced now, whatever, because... He was part of the Southern Baptist Association on that board and everything. But sometimes our nation suppressed the press or suppressed things so we would have to believe what they're telling us or what's, what Satan has out there. Yes. But he's, he's saying that, that a lot of people saying that Jesus was, was Jesus woke, was he a liberal or whatever, and how they're going against some of the basic tenets of the doctrine that's what's in the Sermon of the Mount. Mm-hmm. See, because we are a selective nation, that which benefits us, and they talked about the prosperity preachers for years on this, that they preach out of the Old Testament on the blessings and the prosperity, but they don't preach what happens if you don't do the other thing. In other words, to the other side of what Balaam is. What happens when you preach false doctrine? Are you contemplating these things? Are you thinking about the life you're living and what's happening to the other side, the other people? That's what I said. Study your notes. It's in there what that word contemplates means. God's trying to make us thinking beings, but he's trying to make us think like he thinks. In other words, think about your neighbor. He tells us to love your neighbor, love your enemies. He says, do right. Now, Jesus came and said all those things. That's why they rejected Jesus, because he says, I say, love your enemy. You say a tooth for a tooth and do all these things. He says, I say, love your enemy. And it sounds like Jesus was saying things. Now, he's acting like a socialist, they say, with the words he's saying. We have to hear the gospel, and this lack of fear started with the death of Christ. The reason we don't fear death, and he took the sting out of death, is because of the gospel, and those of us that that reject the gospel is greedy for gain. We love the world and the things that are in this world because a lot of those in the church are Laodicea, and we're in the Laodicean age right now. The church is like the Laodicea. In other words, their heaven is right here on earth. They're living in wonderful seal homes and everything with marble fixtures and all of the wealth and all of the prosperity, and I'm glad for them. My son took me out to his house the other day. His house is like my daughter's house. And I mean wonderful. I could never afford anything like that in this life. But with the amenities and the luxuries in this life, are you a contemplative being in saying, God gave me all this? And because the time of Amos, Israel was living this way. And that's why he sent Amos to tell Israel, say, consider your ways. Consider what you're doing. And you're not... Thinking, and this is not a thinking age. This is not a thinking nation. The people no longer think. Right. Their thought right. patterns are, are, are skewed. Right. Yes. Yes, come on. Come on. <clears throat> Hezekiah back during the days was the same way. Mm. God had yes. blessed Hezekiah. He gave him prosperity and healed Hezekiah and did all of these things for Hezekiah. He invited the world into his home, into his house. And Isaiah come and said, what did you show this? Who were you showing that to? Oh, it was the Babylonians. And I showed him everything. Mm. He says, because of that, because of that, the Babylonians go take everything you got and take it to Babylon. That's what happened in the world. Takes everything we have because the devil's there to rob, kill, and destroy. Yes. And 
when I say kill, he was a murderer in the beginning. He murdered Adam and Eve. In other words, he caused them to turn against God. Yes. He caused their death because God had told them, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Amen. They went against yes. what God's word. They twisted God's word. You have to watch what preachers and teachers telling you. Mm. You have to watch. And uh, Hezekiah, the same preacher that had came to him and told him, God says you shall surely die. Get your house in order. And see, when you're thinking about dying and when you contemplate death, a lot of people have thought about those things and they leave a will. Yes. They say, what children or who's going to get what? Because as Solomon says, you don't know what that person after you will be because a lot of your children, a lot of people get the wealth and stuff you leave behind and work for and they squandered. That house you love so much and cherish and everything, they go think it's garbage and they're ready to bulldoze it down. Mm-hmm. Mine told me several times they want to bulldoze that. I said, well, look, at least let me live in it a while. And <laughs> let me go before you bulldoze it down, please. Yes, Lord. Yeah. They have no sensitivity about what you look for. See, because I look at that in this life and I hope in the next life, just like. Abraham. Abraham didn't receive those things God promised him in this life. The hope was in the next life. You see, and that's why all of us that's contemplating death, we're contemplating a better life in the next life. We're contemplating the mansions and things that Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God and believe in me in my Father's kingdom, my father's place where we going. In other words, he promised of a better life, a life with rest, a, a life that had no more pain, no more sorrow, no more fighting, a land where the lamb lay down with the lion. Those are the ideas and things we should look for, but we shouldn't look for entitlement to those things just because we are God's people and that we should be given those things as Israel said, they're God's chosen people and people are siding with Israel now thinking, well, those are God's people. God says in the book of Hosea, those that I said were my people are not my people. Those that I said are not my people are my people. Yes. You see, because you have to have the characteristics of God. You have to be made in his image and his likeness. In other words, he has adopted us, and that's why we cry, Abba, Father. He says that's why Jesus came back and says, anything that you need, anything that you say, ask in my Father's name, and that he'll do. Yes. See, in the Lord's Prayer, we're crying, Abba, Father. That word means now our greater brother. The death of our brother. And I was telling you about the death of my brother. But the death of our brothers caused us to inherit eternal life. He came and he laid down his life and he died for us. He came as a man just like us so he could suffer death. He suffered the pains and the agonies of death so that we may inherit this eternal life. That we wouldn't die this death, that we should have life in him. That's why John says, ye have eternal life. Do you actually believe that? Because if you actually believe that, you will live in such a way. The second point is the cares. See, because that's what he was telling you about the parable in the parable of the sower. He says, some was sown among thorns. Some was sown on the rocky ground. Mm-hmm. See, some of us are get caught up in the cares of this life, choked the word of God out of us. Mm-hmm. That's what it did to Balaam. They offered him so much gold, he couldn't turn it down. Mm-hmm. Where, where does your integrity stop at? Where do your morality stop at? They have this movie out, uh, The Equalizer or something, I think it's, with Denzel or somebody or whatever, and it shows how I hadn't seen it. I hadn't even listed much of the advertisement, but it's like all of the genre of movies today. It shows you wreaking such retribution on those who have did you something, and the vindication is through that hero. 
And that could be any hero. Jesus Christ is the only hero. He's the only one that vindicates us. He says, vengeance is mine. So God's going to allow us. He's going to turn it over. Look in the book of Daniel, the 8th chapter, and the 10th and 11th chapter, where, as I was telling you about the governor, and probably they'll win the White House this time. The Republicans, because as I told you five or six years ago, this nation has to come to a, a dividing point. It has to be having here. Yes. The Bible doesn't tell us about a worldwide revival. The Bible doesn't tell us. To, Jesus Christ says this world is condemned. This world shall end. Judgment shall come upon this world. Yes. And he calls us out of this world. He says, come out and I'll be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters. Loving this world and what becomes a uh, what becomes of the end of people like Balaam and people like us if we follow Balaam. He loved the wages of unrighteousness and we know that unrighteousness is sin. Mm, And Romans says what? We're going to get paid for sin now. See, because that's what Adam and Eve did. That's what the murderer told them. He gave them and he says, you shall be as gods. So the false prophets telling you to be as gods. But God says the wages of sin is death. Yes. Now, that's what I heard what the wages of sin. What you Payday is coming. Yes. Payday is coming now. And you will receive for the deeds done in your body. That's why Jesus tells us don't grow weary of well-doing. Be like this. But this is what Peter says. Peter says, abandoning the straight road, that is the right way to live, that narrow road, they're going the broad way of destruction. Jesus told us there's two roads. There's a broad way and a narrow way. He says, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of the false teacher, Balaam, the son of Beor. You remember I told you the way of Balaam? And we talked about the way. Jesus says, this is the way. Walk therein. In other words, this is what your lifestyle, this is what your pattern of life should be. How do you live? That's how it would determine how do you die. Not as a hypocrite. See, a hypocrite lives one way and says another thing. It says, Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the reward of wickedness, you love the money, you love the things of this world, you love the covetousness, and that's what we talked about last chapter. They're greedy for gain. They never have enough. It says, but he was rebuked for his own transgression. A dumbass spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. You riding this donkey all of your life, and the donkey turned around, and tell you something and start talking to you. And the angel was standing there and said, if you hadn't listened to him, I'd have killed him if he hadn't turned around. Because Balaam was beating the ass and he said, if I had a sword in my hand, I would have killed you. He said, now, hadn't I rode you? Hadn't you you rode on me all of these years? And had I ever did anything contrary to you or whatever? So when God starts closing doors in our face, sometimes when things going bad or whatever, you have to just knuckle down and prepare for the worst. You have to endure the storm. You have to endure poverty. You have to endure suffering. You have to endure pain and affliction. But don't sell out to the world. Don't keep forcing open doors God has closed. And that's what Balaam did. He kept forcing his way there. Even though he forced his way there, he still didn't get what he wanted because God still wouldn't allow him to speak. God gives you power of speech. And that's why we have to speak those things which become sound. If we want to die the death of the righteous, we have to start watching our speech and what we're thinking of. What goes through our minds and hearts? Watch our gossiping and tail bearing and the things that are coming because the power of life and death is in the tongue. And in the book of Jude, it talks about the false prophets and the people that are using great swelling words and saying things. 
That's why you're slumbering and sleeping. That the spirit of God is not working because <clears throat> not that it don't work. You're suppressing it in unrighteousness. You're grieving the spirit. You quenching the spirit because you know what is right. You've heard what is right. It's been, the word's been preached, but you become dull of hearing. In other words, the world has a greater appeal to you. That's what I said. That's inherent in you. It appeals to the flesh. That's what Satan did. He says, look at that tree. Isn't it good for food? One the desire to make one wise. Yes. So it offered the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's the three portals in which Satan comes in our lives. And to close those portal doors to be able to die the death of the righteous because they don't die any differently than the world dies. Now, death is death and we die just as animal. What is man any more than an animal? That's why we all die. We From dust we come to dust we shall return. But it's what was formed in you was Christ formed in you. It says till Christ be formed in you. Have Christ been formed in you? That's the completed work that he's forming himself in you. He's making you in his image. That character has to be instilled in you. And it takes you walking in uprighteousness to do that. It takes a walk of faith to do those things. We can't do it. A lot of us can't. And we're not to demean, and, 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 and that's what we have. We lack in compassion and empathy. That's when, when they was talking about the governor and the House of Representatives, the people and everything. That's why my friend was saying he left Christianity or whatever, because it's so apparent to those that God is about to join his church. Now, the church is going to be vibrant. It's going to be strong. Read those chapters of Daniel that I have in your note. It's showing that God's people will increase in knowledge and strength. But you have to move some of the old hands out of the way. You have to move some of the dead limbs out of the way. You have to prune the trees. And not, it ain't always the leaning tree that's first to fall now. Amen. A lot of us will have to bury children. Yeah. A lot of us go, as a lot of children, I told you, that was dying in Palestine. Innocence, right. But see, all of that's part of who God is. And that's why we have to contemplate and study and understand God. Or you'll be like the friend I was telling you about in Monroe. And I preached and talked and so much that I was there. And he's seen that in me. He realized that. <clears throat> he was one of the ones who had strengthened me during my times of trial and tribulation in Monroe. Mm. But he's seen so much to the contrary. Yes, yes. So sometimes you fought a good fight. Paul had to leave Trophimus sick. Ezekiel lost his wife. God told him the delight of his heart shall be taken away. Mm. Jeremiah, he told Jeremiah not to even marry. Mm. So all of these things will occur. This part of him creating and making who him who you making who you who you are in him. You have to realize your place in the body of Christ. Your purpose and your struggle, you'll look and that you'll have that vitality because it's God in you both to will and to do. Second Peter continuing on, he says, These false teachers are springs without water and mist driven by a temple, tempest, for whom is reserved the gloom of black darkness. Death is reserved for them. It was a lot of maybe innocent or righteous or good people that died upon that crash upon the interstate at the first part of this week. It was 150 cars or something involved. Seven, eight people died. Mm. Palestine, people are dying. Ukraine, people are dying. Throughout the world, people are dying all the time. They die bullet holes. They die from car wrecks. They die in all kind, kinds of turmoil and all kinds. So the righteous die as the wicked. But see... I was looking at our sister that passed here last six or seven months and the way she was dying, and it was over a period of time. It went quickly or whatever. Mm. But her mind was in a state of peace and rest. He gives us peace and rest. Yes. 
You know, she realized she had a home with God. Do you have a home with God? Are you not fearing? See, because Paul said to die is gain. What is gain? What do you gain? You see, that, that's the death of the righteous. See, Balaam realized he didn't have anything to gain when he died. And that's why he was asking, let me die to death. Because he didn't live that way. He realized how revolted he was. And see, in the new times here, if we can realize this, we could come to see who we are. We'll be like Paul. And Paul denigrates himself. He said, I was the worst of them all. I persecuted the church. But see... After Paul realized and God brought him to the light and opened up his eyes, he started running the race. He started caring about these things. And he wanted, he, he was saying to go and be with Christ. Death is being with Christ. You gain Christ when you die. Amen. You gain heaven and all this. You can't get there without dying or ask the change, the sudden change of him coming back. Everybody want to go to heaven, but don't nobody want to die. <laughs> now, do you want to live here and be in pain and toil and suffering in your 70s or 80s or 90s and you can't do this, you can't do that, you're just there? It's a quality of life. You know, you wonder why and Jesus died in his 30s. He's probably 30, 33 or whatever, in the prime of life. That, that's what we think about, you know, not getting old. But you see, old in wisdom, gray hair, Proverbs tells us about the gray hair. It's a sign of wisdom and knowledge and understanding because you've, you've gone longer, you've walked longer with the Lord. So... As we live, we will reap what we sow. The guy that used to work on my car or whatever, he died a couple of weeks ago. I don't think they've buried him yet. I don't think they've buried him yet. And some of the people that I see he used to be with and I used to work with him or whatever have some whole lot of awful things to say about him, a lot of awful things. That, you know, <clears throat> you look at people the way they live. What is it after you die? What are people saying about what's your life after you die? What kind of legacy have you left? So that's what people are thinking about a legacy. I had a dream the other night. This guy used to be my boss. And I worked for him 15 years or so. And he was in, in my dream. And it was a long, I don't still understand another dream. But, you know, he died a pretty bad death according to what, some tell me. I, I, I wasn't aware of his life after then. You know, he just, I just lost all in touch with anything because of his unrighteousness. Mm. Very wealthy, very wealthy, but unrighteous. And his, if it wasn't for his wife's sympathy and she was all right with me, she was good to me. But some of her relatives didn't even attend her funeral or whatever. Talking with some of them, they didn't name my ten or whatever. So in this life, we will converse and associate with those that we may know that are are out of the church or, or whatever, and some that have been good. See, only God knows who's gonna be saved and who won't be saved, and that's why we love our enemies. We even love those that despitefully use us and mistreat us. And the way I treated him while he was alive or whatever, and I worked for him or whatever, you see, that's what I want to do is remember, have I done all I can do? When, when someone passed, have you done all you can do for that person? Have you tried to be a friend? Have you tried to do all that you could tell God, I've done the best I could? Can you stand before God? You see, because Balaam's going to stand before God, not that he didn't do when he, what he said, blessed Israel, but that wasn't his intentions. His intentions was to curse Israel. That's what Joseph told his brother. He says, you meant it for good. God changed it to evil. I mean, you meant evil. God changed it to good. What are your intentions? What character has been formed? Are you going to the grave <coughs> grudging? A lot of people are going to the grave hating their parents, mm. hating their sisters and brothers. 
with death on their hand. There was a woman the other day that said was fighting in a driveway or something and beat another woman to death with a walker. Are you going out as a murderer? Are you going out as someone that has lived for God? That last point is changed. We have to be changed. What Jesus told us it's necessary. You must. That's the vehicle that gets us to next the next life. Being born again. That's why I say the gospel. Being born of the Word of God. We're not born by the will of the flesh nor the will of man. We're born. By the will of God. God births us into his family. He adopts us to where now we cry, Abba, Father. We're able to walk unto him and live and hear the words of faith. So we start this generation with death to self. We deny ourselves and take up our crosses and follow after him. He that loseth his life shall save his life. Now we have a new object. New thing to look to, and that's Jesus Christ. The book of John 11, chapter 25th verse says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, that is, in, adheres to and trusts in me, relies upon me, and those that continue in my word, those are my disciples. He says, who do all of those things in me, because I am the Savior. He's the Savior. Will live even if he dies. He who believe it on me will live even if he dies. Because he's using an analogy that that we understand. Even though we sleep, we shall not perish. He says they'll be arresting in their bed because the moment of consciousness, the next moment of awakening, when we awake out of the grave, it's going to be like a twinkling of an eye. It's going to be like going to sleep. You went to sleep last night. You wasn't aware of what was going on. And it could be like that dream I was telling you I had. I wasn't a cognitive of what was going on or whatever. But God was saying something. And that's what I say. God talks to us. and That's what you're looking for. God talking to you. And God talks to us while we're in darkness. This is a dream. This world is not what it is. We're in darkness now. He's going to wake us up that resurrection, that next moment. We're not going to remember all of this. All of this is going to be in the past. When we sleep and resting, we're going to wake up in Christ Jesus. It's going to be though we're never with that. We will have life. He says, he who believes in me shall never die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That you shall never. And there are some that won't even die the first death. Because he's going to come back at a time when some that are alive. He said, I say to you, some of you will be alive when I do come back. Now, you're not going to precede those that are asleep. All going to be changed in the twinkling in the moment of eye. Now, do you believe that? He says, I say to you, you have eternal life. Are you believing? Are you going to grasp on that? So you have no fear of death because to go home and be at rest, Simeon and Anna, they were ready to go after they seen Jesus because, man, they're 80, 100 years old or whatever. You kind of tired of living down here. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really have an appetite to eat anymore or whatever. You can't really do much or whatever. You're feeble in everything. You worldly if you want to hold on to life. If you're just laying in a bed, somebody got to do everything for you. You can't even feed yourself. You don't think that those people that are in Christ are saying, Lord, I'm going through this. This is what you have me doing. But I would rather be with you. You know, I think of my mother going around to garage sales and everything that Saturday before she passed. And that Sunday I was telling you last week, that Sunday night she passed. Yes. 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 You know, I, I don't want to go in a car wreck, I don't think. I don't want to get burned up or nobody shot me or stabbed me or anything or whatever. But, you know, you have to go. Mm-hmm. Have you contemplated the death of the righteous? You know, I looked at my mother and she taught me a lot of things and done a lot of things. So, in conclusion, let me close this. What has to occur to die the death 
of the righteous. What has to occur? Your core principles has to change. That's why I say we have to be changed. Our mind, we have to have a new mind, a new way of thinking, a new thought process. In other words, Peter says, think on whatever is lovely, whatever is right. Yeah, I was talking to my friend from Monroe, and he realized the change. I'll tell you about my brother Jerry had told me, there's something changed about you. There's something different. Not saying that you didn't, you're perfect, but they realize that you're on a different course now. God has course corrected you. He's given you a new prerogative. He's given you a new direction. He's put you on a path of righteousness. Character. They talked against Clinton and they talked about character matters now. But this same nation, that character don't matter. <clears throat> They'll put a, a criminal, some of the worst character. It seems as though this guy is in Daniel, the 11th chapter, because they're talking about a self-centered person that sways people and corrupts all. And this is a corrupt nation now. It's totally corrupt. Not totally as in everyone. They are good. They are righteous. There's a lot of righteousness dying within the nation. Yes. There's a lot of righteousness going to suffer because their core principles have changed and they're going to stand up against the wickedness. They go, some of them are going to be like Elijah. They may be scared of their wives. They may be scared of the women. They may be scared of other things. But that's the way they are. They won't overcome that. God moved Elijah out of life. He took Elijah and put Elisha in there. And Elisha went and found Jehu and told Jehu about this, anointing him king. He said, oh, I could handle them. He went and killed Ahab and Jezebel. The dogs ate Jezebel. He said in the book of Revelation, that same spirit of Jezebel here, he said, he's going to throw her and her kids in a bed of death. God's going to take care of all these. We're reading Daniel about this man that's going to rise, this leader of this king. He's not going to die by man's hand. He's going to die by God's means, the natural means of God. So your character has to be changed. That's what God's instilling in you, his character, his principles. Christ has to be formed in you until Christ is formed in us. And uh, that may not be as much as it is in others because you remember I said each one of us have different amounts of talent. We all won't be the same in the kingdom of God. It's not like it is here on earth. The course, you've run a course, there's a course we all have to run. That's why I say we all have to get in touch with God and find out the landmarks of, of, of the stages, what we are achieving or whatever. And we have to reach those landmarks or reach those things in life because there are goals in life that we see ourselves reaching that strengthen us along the way that you know you're, you know you're fighting the good fight. In other words, in contemplation, you have the ability to examine yourself. That's why we come to the communion table. We partake of the communion table and we study to show ourselves approving the things that we are doing. It's like a checklist. But now with the same duality, we'll talk about that later as we go down this chapter. Eating of that bread and drinking of that cup also can make you sick or not. It could bring about your demise. It could bring about death. Not that you out of the body of Christ, but you lose your reward. In other words, you may be a hanger on. You may prevent some other people from doing things. You know, I remember I told you, Isaiah didn't do good until Isaiah died. The Isaiah died. You know, sometimes people might not blossom to mom or dad is gone because that's the hindrance, mom or dad. Sometimes the spouse is the hindrance. Sometimes the children is the hindrance. Every weight and sin, either we lay them aside or God will lay them aside. We either humble ourselves, either God abases us. Yes. So there is God working in our lives to die because it is God working in us both to will and to do. He's the author and the finish of our faith. He knows when it's complete. 
So no one leaves out of here without Jesus giving that approval. He know when it's your time. There's a time to live. There's a time to be born. Life and death is in his hands. Mm -hmm. So nobody accidentally dies or leave out of here without his ordination, without his approval. It's all in his hands. So to die that death. Now, like I tell you about dying to death, and Paul said to be gained, when Paul was saying to go home and be with Christ, you remember I told you he might not have been thinking of suicide, but to be with Christ. You know how Paul left, huh? They drug him from a Roman prison and they took him outside and bowed him down on a chopping block and they took his head off his shoulders. They took John the Baptist's head off his shoulders. He died the death of the righteous. They crucified Peter upside down, but he died the death of the righteous. But John died of natural death on the island of Patmos. But what Jesus said to Peter, and Peter says, what was going to be this fellow's manner of death? Because Jesus had told him, he said, Peter, when you get old, they will take you in a way that you don't want to go. But he says, what will be this fellow's future? And he says, what is that to you? What is that to you? We worried about how somebody else left out of here. You worry about yourself. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, Lord God,